You're listening to Scotty and Goss on SENWA Breakfast, thanks to Fleet Network here in the Toolkit Depot. And joined now by the man who, well, if it's not a news story, then uh, he doesn't care about it because he's across all the things that are important in the AFL world. And his name is Sammy Edmund. He's SEN's chief sports reporter. It's great to have you on the line, Sammy. Good morning, mate. Scotty, great to be on the line. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, it's just a one day into the... Uh, uh, well, let's call it the off-season after trade week. And your hands are full already. Some disappointing news in uh, in the Joel Smith uh, drug saga. And there's a new one too with Elijah Hollands. Well, let's start with, uh, with Joel Smith. Uh, breaking news came out yesterday morning that uh, he had tested positive to what they believe is cocaine during a match day uh, drug test. Yeah, just incredible, Scotty. So here we are, not even two days into what, what I suppose is the AFL off-season proper after the trade period, and we've got double drug sagas. So you're right, Joel Smith decides to take cocaine a couple of days out before a round 23 game. He returns a positive test after the final siren, a urine sample. Um, Carlton yesterday released a statement confirming their new recruit, Elijah Hollands, will face court on possession of illicit uh, substance a day after trading for him. So I'll tell you what, welcome to the job if you're Andrew Dillon. you got your first saga, a pair of them as well. And I don't know about you, Scotty, but not for the first time in recent times. We, and perhaps the AFL, asked the question, what on earth is going on at Melbourne? I mean, this is professional mm. sport for a professional club like the D's. A premiership club only two years ago, I reckon, geez, I don't know, the body blows. They're starting to, to pile up. But uh, as far as Joel Smith goes, He'd be a nervous boy at the moment. He'll have a, an interview in the next uh, period of time, the next few weeks, maybe a month from now, with officials from Sport Integrity Australia who run the testing regime on match day for the AFL. Well, there's so many different scenarios in this too, Sammy. Like it, it could be, it could be four years, it could be a month. I mean, what would have to happen for Joel Smith to only get a month or three months or, or six months? Um, yeah. There has to be some yeah. extraordinary circumstances because we know that Asada. WADA and um, Sports Integrity Australia, geez, they don't take this stuff lightly. No. So the illicit drug code, we need to point out, is obviously separate from the anti-doping code. Now, the AFL's separate illicit drugs policy is being reviewed at the moment by the league and the the Players Association. So if a player tests positive to an illicit drug under the AFL anti-doping code, then they face a two-year ban if it's in competition and potentially a three-month ban if it's out of competition. But critically, Scotty, the, the Sport Integrity Australia website states the following, and it says, before 2021, the presence of these substances in your system in competition could lead to a four-year ban, but from the 1st of January 21, if an athlete tests positive to a substance of abuse in competition, the sanction is only three months if the athlete can prove the substance was used out of competition and was unrelated to sporting performance. So Smith will need to prove both of those things in his hearing with Sports Integrity Australia in the coming weeks. And he, you're right, he could have it reduced to a month under the AFL's anti-dubby code if he agreed to do things like undergo you know, substance of abuse treatment. There's a mental health overlay to that sort of thing as well. But uh, clearly that rule change from a couple of years ago works in his favour. It's staggering that you know, two days out from a game. And look, you'd be an absolute idiot to say that um, recreational drugs, they are illicit drugs, uh, are not rife across the entire community, not just AFL standards, but to, you know, to be sitting there two days before a game doing whatever the hell he was doing is the staggering thing. And this all comes on the back of, you mentioned Melbourne and what is going on down there. And the, the, the spotlight has to be shone on there. There's been rumours for a couple of years now, hasn't there, Sammy, about what's happening and it starts with the coach, it goes to the playing group, their culture. 
But there, where there's so much smoke, there has to be some fire. And this comes on the back of Simon Goodman, you know, proclaiming at the D's best and fairest that they have a have a great culture, um, and that uh, you know everything is is absolute rubbish. Yeah, well, it goes back even further than that. It goes back to the former president, Glenn Barlett, and his strong belief that mm-hmm. there were behavioural issues at his club back in, you know, 2021, and they've been repeatedly squashed. Can they continue to be? I mean, Bartlett was bulldozed out of the presidency yep. shortly thereafter. Uh, so is their heads in the sand at Melbourne, or are they miles from the beach, Scotty? It, I mean, it is 2023. Should we expect 44 different men to be priests? But as we said earlier, this professional sport, this is a professional club, um, and, and this is a situation where you've got rumours around the coach who was investigated for his behaviour and he's repeatedly um, denied those. There was an internal investigation into his conduct. Clayton Oliver this month was taken to Footscray Hospital for a CT scan and x-rays after suffering a seizure and has long battled mental health challenges as well. You had that silly little uh, drunken fight at Entrecot, something as simple as mm. that, just over the fact that one demon was a premiership player and another was not. And now you've got the Joel Smith saga on top of that. So um, Clayton Oliver's recently moved in with Max Gorn. Uh, Max has taken him in. Max is on holidays in Fiji at the moment. Um, I mean, you can't watch someone every minute of every day. Um, what needs to happen from here will be uh, of great interest uh, to the AFL and their uh, integrity department and, the, and their new boss, Andrew Dillon. And I would assume uh, Gary Pert, Kate Roffey, the entire leadership at Melbourne, who... Surely now, um, Scotty, you have to have to take matters into their own hands on a, on a serious on a serious front. Well, on a uh, non-serious front, you feel for Mrs. Gorn, don't you? She's got Max, she's got a two-year-old, a one on the way, and now she's got Clary. She, she's got her hands full <laughs> that lady and a, and a patient, patient lady. But on another serious note, we just touched on Elijah Hollands. Uh, recently traded to Carlton, and he's uh, now been served a day later. Been served notice to appear in court over possession of an illicit substance. Do you? Do you? How much do you know about that? And two, do you think Carlton knew about this with their due diligence before they picked him up, or has this been g'day, welcome to the club? And I'm sorry, what, what's that? Yeah, no, no, they did know. They released a statement yesterday, Carlton, to say that they made a, a quote-unquote informed decision to proceed with recruiting uh, Elijah Hollins, who's obviously the brother of Blues winger Ollie, after Elijah came clean to Carlton last month, Scotty, that he had been served with this notice to appear in court. So uh, Carlton knew that. They were told that by the player and his management. They decided to proceed anyway with recruiting him. And then four minutes after their statement dropped, the Gold Coast Suns said that their now former player would appear in court on one count of possession of what they said was a small quantity of an illicit substance. So the AFL Integrity Unit, again, have been brought in as your standard. Uh, the Blues are saying the Hollands will commence pre-season training on schedule in November. But uh, not, not not something they were blindsided by, at least not not yesterday anyway. Terry, so there are some cushy jobs in the AFL, but um, being a part of the AFL Integrity Unit is going to be busier and busier, I reckon, just as the... As the years go on, and the uh, the pressure and the um, attention on players continues to uh, to increase. I tell you, it's a, a tough gig. Now let's talk some WA action. It's, uh, in particular, the Eagles. Now, a bloke that I love in in little Joey Montagna, dual All Australian. Uh, he believes his his thoughts would be that it's in both West Coast and North Melbourne's best interest to strike a trade involving pick one, considering where they both sit in their rebuild situations. Now, is this just Melbourne media desperate to have Harley Reid in Melbourne. It seems that way to me, but because and I'm to and froing with West Coast whether they need more players in more than just one, or do they just take this exceptionally talented young man? We spoke to him on the show last week. He seems like an absolute ripper, 
Where do you sit yeah. with this, Sammy? Yeah, and we've spoken to Rowan O'Brien, of course, the list manager at mm. West Coast on Trade Radio, understandably keeping his cards really close to his chest. We had Brady Rawlings on uh, yesterday here at SEN, uh, North Melbourne um, list boss as well. His cards really close to his chest. Suffice to say, they're going to have another real big crack at that pick one that your uh, West Coast Eagles control at the moment, uh, uh, Scotty, in the next couple of weeks. But, look, it's a really hard question for an outsider to answer, I think, purely because it, the decision is should be, anyway, based on how West Coast view the draft or how mm. they view the draft up to the top couple of picks. Now, if they think that it's thin like most other experts do and it falls away rapidly after some are saying pick six and pick seven, then then you keep pick one, don't you? You get a generational talent, the kid that they've run out of superlatives for. If West Coast look at the draft and think, no, that bat's deeper than that, we can find some real talent, particularly in the first round and the fringes of the second round, then I don't think they can afford to keep pick one. If it's me, I'm getting as much young talent in that group as I can at one time yeah. to fast-track this rebuild. And we've seen his, in, in, you know, in, in years gone by, clubs totally transform their fortunes, uh, most notably Port Adelaide, of course, with multiple picks inside the first round. So as good as Harley Reid might be, if you think you can get three sw- solid, really high-quality players in for the next you know, 10 to 15 years, and I think you do that every day of the week, but it really depends on how they view the rest of the draft. How would you get a feel out of out of Rowan uh, on that? Is it, it it basically has to be pick two three fifteen for Harley Reid? I mean, he's he's rated that highly, and you and always in the draft you get you know players that are well, this guy's been the best. But he, we've been speaking about Harley Reid since last year's draft, and that he's going to be number one in twelve months' time. Um, and from all reports, he is that far ahead of anyone else in it. It'd have to be yeah. pick two three fifteen, doesn't it? Well, I mean, these guys are good poker players for a reason. Yeah. They do this all the time. So if you're asking me what sort of read I got, I'd be lying if I said I got one because it was nigh on impossible to get one from him. Look, in regards to what he's worth, they set the price. So what he's worth is what they decide he's worth. For me, I think that's overs. I wouldn't be, if I'm North Melbourne, I mean, I wouldn't be giving two, three, and 15. I'd be giving two, maybe, and I'll be giving 15. I might be giving 17. I might mm. be giving eight. I, I, I'm holding my pick, um, one of those two and threes, absolutely. But... Uh, yeah, look, I mean, it really depends on, on what West Coast, um, where they think they can get that. They have a million contingency plans about where they can get certain players, where they'll get through to them. There's certainly a negotiating behind the scenes as well with certain clubs. A bit of back-scratching as well. That we'll, We're committed to this guy. What are you guys doing? So this will all get worked out, you know, uh, I'm sure well before draft night. But uh, it's going to be a fascinating watch because... I think other clubs aren't, don't think they're out of it either. I know mm. Melbourne are trying to work up as well. Hawthorne are trying to work up. Uh, North Melbourne have the best sort of arsenal to get it done. But uh, the West Coast are in a great position because in many ways they can't lose. I tell you, the biggest story that you'll be chasing is the explosion at AFL House if North give up two and the compensation pick three. <laughs> the AFL will be filthy on them because it probably sets them back just a little bit as well because they need more than one player themselves. The Kangas. Hey, Sammy, yeah, thank, thank you so much, right. mate, for joining us, buddy. Uh, always good to chat to you. And you can hear Sam on the captain's run right after we wrap up here on Scotty and Goss. So stay tuned to SENWA. That's Sammy Edmund. Good morning. Thanks, Scotty.